0: Hey, what's up guys? Your friendly neighborhood music man here. Just going to go through the first episode. Yes, that's right. You heard it. The first episode of the uh, Movie Talk Weekly. Um, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. I uh, never really had the time to do it because I just graduated from uh, UNCG, University of North Carolina, Greensboro. So um, you know, between that and trying to make my music stuff happen... And working full time jobs, all this kind of stuff. Never really had a chance to do it. So I'm also going to make videos on YouTube once a month. Uh, it's going to be kind of more of a, a video essay type thing. So I want to focus on that once a month, and then every week I want to bring at the end of the week a, a movie talk weekly type thing, where I basically discuss the you know the stuff, the happenings in the in movie news, uh, based on you know the, the reports from Collider, Hollywood Reporter. Now, I will say one thing about this podcast, I will be talking some spoilers. So if you see a topic uh, about a movie that you hadn't seen or maybe you haven't seen the movies in that franchise, I will sometimes be discussing that. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to constantly tiptoe around spoilers in that sense. I guess that's about it. I just wanted to kind of go into that really quick. I make music. Uh, I make uh, film score music, and I also make electronic kind of cinematic EDM music as uh, Music Man. So anyways, without further ado, let's go into the movie news talk from August 19th to August 26th of 2018. Now, actually, just today, uh, on Sunday, uh, August 26th, I got a report that JJ is um, rewriting parts of Episode 9. Now, we could all speculate, oh my goodness, you know, there <laughs> there's all these problems, and, and that's that's kind of the natural, I feel like. Uh, reaction to rewrites and reshoots are but even though it's a pretty natural part of the process it's it's a process that people don't really understand is actually part of almost every single film even the most successful ones and the ones that don't have problems um just because you watch a film and you have to go through and you're like okay well those scenes worked those didn't let's spend a little bit of time reshooting and, and a lot of times they'll actually you know schedule that in to the to the production so to me, this is only good news because it means that he is, you know, JJ is really giving this the love and the care that it needs. Because I mean, this is really this is uh, the the conclusion of the Skywalker saga. Nine films, you know, three trilogies. I mean, he's got a lot of pressure to to put this uh, saga to rest. You know, in terms of. This particular you know set of films that are focusing on the skywalkers um, and, and it's funny because in this new uh the, the sequels the Disney sequels, you really feel like are they even focusing much on the skywalkers? I mean they're there, but they are they're more background you know and you, you, I could go I could go you know on and on about sequel stuff and you know problems with it, stuff I like about it, all that kind of stuff and and I actually will probably probably actually do a retrospective kind of video about that video essay on that topic because it's, you know, it's really important to me in terms of this uh this news of him rewriting all this i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that billy d williams you know lando old school lando is was cast um and almost also you know dominique Mahanigan was just cast as well uh reuniting him with uh from uh from lost and then, of course he was in all the lord of the rings um which actually is a series i never got fully into by the way that's <laughs> it's one of those kind of big sci-fi action series i just never got into um i liked it you know it was good but just never got obsessed anyways that's off topic uh but i think a lot of that the rewrites has a lot to do with those characters being added to this so um also the fact that Chewie's actor you know he shot many scenes uh during solo during when he was making solo he actually shot some scenes for episode 9 which you would assume would be in like the Millennium Falcon. Like he's probably not running around with Poe and you know what I mean? Like he's, it's probably not those kind of scenes where you would really have him, you know, chewy dealing with a lot of characters that, you know, from episode nine, but more maybe something in the Falcon or with BB eight or something like that. Um, You know, so uh, like I said, all this, you know, to recap all this, I essentially think that him doing some slight rewrites, you know, tightening up the script is only a good thing. Now another topic I wanted to discuss in the Star Wars world what, that came out this week was Kelly Marie Tran um finally breaking her silence after you know leaving social media because of all the trolls all the people who were talking about her you know her race and her gender all this stuff that you know she's she can't control and these are things that as much as I wasn't a fan of the Rose character in the last Jedi you just don't do that you know you just that's just something you even the character even if you have a problem with the character you don't, you know, go on their social media and get on them about it. I mean, this is their job. They're, you know, they're getting paid to be an actor, and you know, as an actor, you don't necessarily get to choose everything your character does, everything your character says. Obviously, because you're you're being paid to play a part that's what, that was written. So, you know, the fact that this even happened was just crazy to me. But. Uh, You know, here's some of the stuff that she says in this letter, and I'm just going to kind of go through the first part and then the last part. Um, The first part, though, um, is very, very beautiful. She says, Their words reinforce the narrative that I'd heard my whole life, that I was, quote-unquote, other, that I didn't belong, that I wasn't good enough, simply because I wasn't like them. And that feeling, I realize now, was and is shame. A shame for the things that made me different. A shame for the culture from which I came from. And to me, the most disappointing thing was that I felt it at all, um, you know, and it's really, it's, that's, that's really sad, you know, when you think about it and it's, but it's a, it's beautiful that she's actually bringing this up and talking about this and she goes on and, and, and there's a lot more in this article that I'll actually share with you in the, in the show notes, but uh, she closed it with this. You might know me as Kelly. I'm the first woman of color to have a leading role in a Star Wars movie. I am the first Asian woman to appear on the cover of Vanity Fair and my real name is Loan. I I am just getting started. so And that's Loan as in bank loan. That's how it's spelled. I'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that she could kind of, and that she's kind of like bringing out more of herself because of what's happening. She's thinking, you know, rather than hiding from all these people, like, let's just be more ourselves, you know? And I think that's kind of, that's the way that she's approaching it, and I really like that. I like that from from a, a standpoint of someone who's in the spotlight, but also it's a good message. It's a good message that hey, you know, the bullies need to stop. So uh, that's about that's all I really wanted to say about that. I just really really appreciate what she's done and what she's doing right now for it. And to be honest, I actually my favorite theme from The Last Jedi was Rose's theme. Like the the new music from The Last Jedi. When you go back and listen to that, what's the most, like, iconic theme you can remember other than just hearing Ray's theme or the Force theme or, you know, Kylo Ren's theme? It's Rose's theme. I mean, she's, you know, she's got to – as much as her characters didn't really do a lot and wasn't really very good in in The Last Jedi, there's something beautiful about her character in general. Um, And and John Williams saw that and heard that. So – uh, anyways, uh, we're, we're, from one galaxy to another, <laughs> The Guardians of the Galaxy three is on hold after the James uh, the James gun firing. You know, after this firing happened um, because of you know really inappropriate tweets uh, that happened years and years and years ago <laughs> from uh, from this alt right blogger. They basically were just like you know came out and told you know Disney, hey look 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 what your directors are writing, and then they fired him, which is just crazy. It's crazy to me that that can happen. Um, especially with how social media is nowadays and, you know, controversy uh, amongst Disney. You know, just Disney's Disney's controversy and a lot of stuff like that. Um, even to the point where actually the the crew uh, that was prepping for pre-production on this film, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, were told they were released from their contracts and they're free to look for other work. In other words, we're not doing this for a long time. There's, there's going to be a little... Uh, there's going to be a hold uh, on this film, and it, it makes sense. I mean, do you really want this? You know, this this franchise to just you know turn into a really awful kind of franchise that, that doesn't have any direction because you're forcing everything to be you know made to beat beat the release date when you've got a disgruntled cast who all signed a letter basically saying that they wanted you know Dame, James Gunn back. Uh, Dave Batista's tweet um calling out Disney and kind of calling them hypocrites um but you know and the decision is to to rehire James Gunn was basically dismissed by you know Disney president Alan Horn cuz they had a meeting uh Kevin Feige was in talks about how he wanted to you know like hey I want I want this guy you know I want him back but he wasn't at the meeting so he must <laughs> must not wanted that bad like let's let's be real here um, and I think they're just looking at a different approach to the Guardians now. I mean, especially the way Infinity War ended. Uh, I won't go too into detail about that, obviously, but maybe now's a good time to kind of end that series. You know, as much as you feel like it's kind of shortchanged, I mean, would you rather have. That's the question I want to throw to you is would you rather have a Guardians of the Galaxy movie? like a third movie, like at end of this trilogy without James Gunn, with someone maybe like Taika Waititi who did a great job with Thor Ragnarok. And actually that movie had a very Guardian's feel to it. But to me I, I enjoyed Thor Ragnarok a lot more than the uh both original Guardians movies. Like any of the Guardians movies, I wasn't I they were fun, they were cool, they were good, but to me Thor Ragnarok really had that that oomph. You know, it had the comedy it had the great action. It had the great story. Everything felt connected to the, the universe really well. Um, and that's just me, personally. I'm just... That's just how I feel. But, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like, would it be better to have a different director? Because you, could you imagine watching, for example, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy and watching it with, you know, maybe Zack Snyder does <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises? Uh, and, of course, in hindsight, maybe people would have preferred that, but... I think it's something about having a director keep a trilogy together, especially when it comes to superhero stuff. You feel like there's this connectivity that needs to stay within, you know, intact. In but of course, you have like Captain America who had, you know, Joe Johnson the first time, and then the last two movies have been the Russo brothers. So, you know, I think you can do that. I think you can definitely have a different director I don't think I mean, James Gunn's great but you don't have to have him to, to for this movie. The only thing is that it was his baby. It was his creation. So, you know, I'm not not he didn't create the comics, but he created this franchise for the movies where nobody knew who these characters were. So you got to give him that. Um reports do say that Marvel will still use Gunn's scripts, but this could change with a new director who knows. Um you know it's uh captain marvels out that's the next film that's coming out uh then we have spider-man far from home uh that's shooting now and then black widow spinoff already has a director in kate shoreland uh so you know they've they've got enough coming out soon that this isn't really a priority for me and probably for a lot of other people too they're like okay we have we've gotten a lot of guardians recently let's take a little break let's get them kind of I don't know, let's kind of change this up a bit and, and let's have some other storylines kind of take place and come back to them when, you know, give them a little break and come back to them when we can kind of correct the ship. So uh, that's that's my feeling on this, this whole uh, Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Um, and I think that, you know, we can definitely see what happens and we'll see where it goes. But I do feel like we... You know, don't rush it. I think Guardians is one of those franchises that people are still going to remember. You don't have to have a new Guardians film every two years or something to make it relevant. Like, people are still going to remember the Guardians, and especially because of all this, they're definitely going to keep Guardians in the back of their head. So let's go ahead and fly from space to Earth <laughs> and uh, talk about Bond 25 director Danny Boyle leaving the project due to creative differences. Um, now, I-, I actually wasn't a huge fan of Spectre. To me, Daniel Craig's movies have been – every other movie has been fantastic. Uh, Casino Royale, amazing. One, probably my favorite Bond movie of all time, uh, at least top three. Then Quantum Solace was like probably one of the worst that they've ever had. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe not the worst, but definitely the worst from Craig. And then after that was Skyfall, which was great, critically acclaimed, another great one. Then you got Spectre, which was just kind of, eh, it's okay. It wasn't as bad as Quantum of Solace, but it was definitely not as good as Skyfall or Casino Royale. So um, I'm definitely glad they went with a different director for this movie. I think Sam Mendes did a good job. You kind of felt like Daniel Craig kind of slept through Spectre. It, didn't, it, just, it was just unforgettable, or it was very forgettable is what I meant to say. I think the fact that Daniel Craig is a co-producer, it's his final film. You know, I understand maybe why if if he has a lot of creative control in this project and it's his last film, why you would want to let him maybe have his because maybe Danny Boyle comes in, he wants to totally change the style up a lot. And to be fair, this franchise, uh, you know, in the last few years, in the last ten years or so with Craig, they've all been pretty connected. They've been connected. Uh, in terms of his like love interests, in terms of his history, uh, all that stuff. So the fact that maybe Daniel Boyle was coming, trying to come in and change that, they might have looked at that as, hey, like that's not what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to kind of keep this consistent because it, it, you know it makes sense for this particular actor. You've had these movies go together a while. All of a sudden, would you have a one-off with with him at the end? I think it might be fun. It might be kind of a fun movie to have Daniel Craig, you know, in this kind of like. Pierce Brosnan style like where he's just kind of doing fun stuff like it you know it that that would be fun but it just I don't think it's going to happen I think you you conclude his little stint you his stint as Bond with with a conclusion the question is uh with no script and no writer for the movie uh it's scheduled to come out in November of 2019 that's crazy to me because it's almost November of 2018 and they haven't even written it yet let alone you know done like pre-production start you know doing anything with filming and i mean they have to do that in the next few months for that to happen for them to to get the film made and to do post-production and marketing and all that stuff so they're definitely going to have to postpone it the release date it's not gonna it's not even a question the question is does this franchise you know do they even need daniel craig and my my thing is i don't think they do i think they're I think they could just start over with a new director, a new Bond, and you start a new style. You know, you start a new, a new vibe for this franchise. Because I mean, Mission Impossible right now is winning. (laughs) If you have to pick what's the action spy franchise to watch, it's Mission Impossible. It's not, you know, uh, it's not it's not Bond. You know, at least it hasn't been for the last few years. Because you know, I think Barbara Broccoli has a sandbox that she wants these directors to work within. And if they jump too far out of it, it doesn't really fit, doesn't work. And like I said, the fact that Daniel Craig is a co-producer I think is really important in this situation because, you know, he's – I think he has a vision for how he wants his final Bond film to to go. And if another director comes in and wants to change it, I mean, that's <laughs> that's not going to work. You know, it's it's got reminiscing feelings from Lucasfilm of, you know, of – Something like uh, losing Lord and Miller from Solo or losing, you know, Colin Trevorrow from Episode 9. I mean, if if there's going to be differences, creative differences, you can't keep that around. The thing you can keep around, however, is millions and millions of dollars, which uh, the Forbes list of highest paid actors and actresses just came out. Woohoo! So I'm going to go ahead and read these (laughs) so we can all feel bad about our income. Um, I'm going to actually start with uh, with the actors. I'm going to say George Clooney, number one, George Clooney, number one, $249 million. And you're wondering, what was the last movie I even saw him in, actually? I, I don't know. And that's because he hasn't been in any movies this year. But he made a $700 million sale of his tequila company, uh, Casa Amigos, to a British liquor company, and, you know, to me, it's just crazy that you can be the number one paid actor on the Forbes list, but yet you haven't been in any films in 2018. And it's in August. We're in August. This is the eighth month of the year. Eight of the 12 months, you have not been in anything, and yet you're the highest paid. I I don't know. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, number two, this makes sense. This makes sense at $124 million, because he's in everything, and he's... Gets paid a lot of money. Uh, number three, Robert Downey Jr. at $81 million. This makes sense because of Spider-Man Homecoming and Avengers 3. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, $64.5 million uh, with Ragnarok and Avengers 3. And then number five, we have Jackie Chan, $45.5 million. Uh, Will Smith is $42 million. Uh, he actually got $20 million for Bright. Whew, gosh. Plus, he's got the upcoming Aladdin and Spies in Disguise animated comedy. So he's got a lot coming up. Uh, we got seven and nine are actually some Bollywood actors. I, I don't know who they are, so I I won't butcher their names because I'm not sure how to pronounce their names. But uh, it's good that there's some you know other you know uh, there's some diversity in this list, which is cool. Eight is Adam Sandler. Don't understand that he's just got all the Netflix movies that come out and. They have one star or all thumbs downs, but you know whatever. We're still going to pay him a lot of money, and then we have Chris Evans uh, with thirty-four million. Uh, That was from Infinity War mostly. So it's good to see the Avengers getting their representation on the highest paid actors list. Um, (laughs) Moving on to actresses, uh, number one is Scarlett Johansson at forty million. Number two is Angelina Jolie at twenty-eight million for maleficent i guess i don't know what that's another example what in the world has she been in lately uh <laughs> uh number three is jennifer aniston at 20 million um inter <laughs> brad pitt joke right there because of the uh <laughs> oh my gosh number two and number three happen to be his his exes but we won't go into that uh number four jennifer lawrence is at 18 million um uh, that makes sense she's in a lot of stuff Number five, Reese Witherspoon at $16.5 million. Another kind of interesting, curious one. It's like I haven't seen her in a lot, but I think she has been doing some other smaller projects. Uh, now that I think about it, I have feel like I have seen her in these kind of smaller projects that probably are just, you know, racking up a little couple million here or there. So uh, Mila Kunis, $16 million. Um, Julia Roberts, $13 million. Another situation where I feel like she hasn't done anything since the early 2000s, but... She's got to be doing something. Um, Kate Blanchett, twelve point five million, and Melissa McCarthy at twelve million. Uh, that I can't believe that she actually beat Gal Gadot at ten million. I okay. Oh, I, I do understand. I actually do understand. Melissa McCarthy. Oh, that could be a whole another topic to me. She to me she's very funny. She's a funny woman. She's a very funny actress. But her movie choices are not good at all. Like just like the last movie that just came out, you know, the uh, the Happy Time Murders. Like that that was just, you know, destroyed by critics. And a lot of people did like it. You know, there was kind of like a Sausage Party where it, it either works for people or it doesn't. And I feel like it w- wouldn't work for me um, personally. I mean, I, I saw Sausage Party was not a big fan of it. So I feel like if it's anything like that with – pup with puppets and melissa mccarthy i'm not gonna be it's just not something i'm gonna be interested in but i don't know who knows uh and like i said gal gadot was at 10 million and she's wonder woman and i just don't understand the how that that ranking is working a lot of these must be royalties from like dvd sales or something anyways maybe toy sales too uh (laughs) speaking of gal gadot let's go ahead and talk about the fact that in her movie, it's actually going to be scored by my favorite composer, Mr. Hans Zimmer. Yes, very, very excited about this. So Hans Zimmer is actually the guy who got me into film scoring. He is – his score for Man of Steel is the most like memorable thing in my life in terms of uh, film scores. I mean obviously you have Star Wars. You have all of John Williams' works. That was my childhood. John Williams <laughs> – because I grew up in Orlando, Florida – So Universal and, like, Steven Spielberg's movies, John Williams' music, all this kind of stuff was just, you know, that was just my childhood growing up. But as I grew older and I, you know, started to actually get into music making, Hans Zimmer was who really connected with me. I feel like that was someone who I could really, like, okay, I could be this guy. He just can't read cheap music. He's not this big, like... You know, like because John Williams is just out of this world. I mean, he is E.T. He is extraterrestrial. He is crazy how good he is. And, you know, but then you have someone like Hans Zimmer who creates uh, a Superman theme that's different. And it's simple. And it's – but then it's also got this crazy, bombastic 12-drummer circle. Then we get to Justice League and we have Danny Elfman, which – no offense to Danny Elfman, but come on. I mean, it's just there wasn't that power. So – the fact that we have Hans Zimmer coming back to DC, uh, he was the one who created the Wonder Woman original, you know, the theme that you hear in Batman versus Superman and you hear in her own movie. It was actually scored by Rupert Gregson Williams, um, who did a great job. I mean, but I, I don't ever, like, go to that album on Spotify and listen to it, you know? But I always listen to Man of Steel. And I don't really listen to BVS that much, but uh, there's a couple cool tracks in there. But, you know, him and his protege, uh, Junkie XL, they've both worked together on a lot of stuff. You can hear a lot of Junkie XL's style in Man of Steel, and you hear a lot of it in um, Batman vs. Superman as well. I'd say even more of it in that one. The fact that Zack Snyder left was probably a big reason that Junkie XL was not part of Justice League. So, I'm really excited. This is really good news for me. I think this is getting us back in the direction the DC Universe needs to get in, which is good music, good scores. You know, I mean, like, that's the differentiation between them and Marvel. You know, uh, Marvel, they've got their Avengers theme and their Captain America theme, but you don't really have those other big, sc- good scores. You know, really, really big, awesome, just, you know, it's something about the way Hans Zimmer brings that like world out you know I mean Michael Giacchino and Alan Silvestri are all like some of the best composers out there and they're working with Marvel and they're doing incredible jobs but Hans Zimmer just it just brings the whole movie to a whole nother world when you give him the free reign to just do what he wants with especially with that Amazonian vibe and theme oh it's gonna be so good um so i'm really excited i mean check out Hans zimmer live in prague on netflix it's really cool it's a really it's him playing all of his stuff live with a with a a band and orchestra all this different stuff it's really cool so honestly that's gonna go ahead and do it today for the first edition that's right the first edition of uh movie news talk hopefully you guys enjoyed it let me know what you guys think of the podcast i'd love a rating and review you know uh, this these are gonna get better so you know maybe give it a few episodes <laughs> before you give it a full rating and review of my style. Cause I'm, I do want to improve. I do want to get better. Definitely go check out the guys that, you know, guys, girls at Collider. Uh, they're such an inspiration for me in terms of talking about films and actually wanting to do this. You know, I mean, I grew up, uh, loving, uh, films and I, I never knew how to really d- express it. Cause I was never wanted to be a director or anything like that, but I always I wanted to do film music and, and do music as a creative outlet. But when it comes to discussions and talking and, you know i'm actually a very big introvert you know but doing a podcast like this i feel like i can talk about this kind of stuff to uh, an audience and just to a microphone um just as much as i could talk about it with a, another person in conversation so i uh, definitely want to improve on this and keep you know keep this going So if you want to find out more about me, go to musicman.com. It's spelled M-U-Z-I-K-M-4-N. I'm going to leave a link in the description. So thank you guys for listening. Until next week, I'm Adam, your friendly neighborhood music man. Have a good one.